My guest today is the head of corporate sales for Asana. Prior to that, he worked as a senior sales manager for LinkedIn Sales Solutions. Jack Hanratty, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my, my pleasure, Jack. Jack, uh, when I was uh, snooping on your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> I came across a quote somebody left for you as a recommendation and it jumped out at me and what it said was when jack became my manager i remember the first thing he told our team was about his personal transformation and that got my attention what what, what was your personal transformation yeah um yeah th thanks it's, it's a great I, I suppose starting point uh because it, it's kind of something that i i talk to all new hires or anybody that i work with is 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 kind of how i think about my career and therefore their careers um, I, when, when I was growing up, Paul, uh, I was always very inspired by my dad and his story. And he was a, he was an entrepreneur, um, and had kind of fallen into becoming an entrepreneur at a very young age, right? His, his old man had passed away when he was 17 and he was basically charged with running the family business, which was a, which was quite a successful lighting business, uh, commercial lighting business. Um, and, and, you know, didn't get the opportunity to go to university and, and, and became very successful and, you know, uh, so successful that he was able to bring us up in a, in, a, in, a, in a lovely environment and we went to great schools and made great friends. And so, you know, I, I was always very um, inspired by my dad and, and therefore, uh, you know, this idea of becoming an entrepreneur, I wasn't excited about working in lighting, Paul, if I'm being totally honest. So, so I said I wouldn't go down that route, but I definitely would follow the, the entrepreneurial route. Um, and so I found myself, you know, in university working, uh, I worked, I worked at a, at a stockbroker's for, for a year, um, and, uh, and, and realized that, you know, it was interesting and I kind of got a taste for sales there, but definitely you know, one thing that, that I really look for when, when I'm thinking about my career and, and thinking about my moves, and we can talk about this later is, is, is kind of doing something very meaningful and, and having an impact. And I just didn't feel like I was doing that in stockbroking people people may feel differently but that's just the way i felt um and so uh, after leaving stockbroking i uh, i decided to I, I went back to university it was an internship and um i had uh, had had a business idea and that business idea was actually spurred from from um from being in in the company that i was working for uh, and i went off and i tried to build it build a build a business uh, but I was 19 and or maybe 20 and, and I hadn't a clue what I was doing I was very very naive I managed to get in front of some pretty uh, inspiring business leaders at the time and they told me Jack look you're too young you've great ideas but you should go and get some experience and, and so that was kind of a big learning moment for me Paul in terms of how I thought about my career and what I wanted to achieve and so you know, th there was this fundamental kind of belief inside me that I wanted to be a, an entrepreneur or like, a, a, and, and that kind of transpired into, I wanted to be a CEO, right? And so I knew that I wanted to be a CEO or an MD or my own boss ultimately was, was where I wanted to go. And I, I began working in, uh, in, in, um, in a small Irish company called Blueface, which has become a very su successful company now. And um, they were acquired by Comcast last year. Um, and I kind of fell into sales ball. I, I was hired by my previous boss in the stockbroking company. Um, and he kind of said, look, come in and, and, and let's figure out what you want to do. And I was very fortunate. It was a true startup. Like I brought my own laptop to the, to the company. It was, you know, it was, it was a true, true startup. Um, 
and I fell into sales and I realized that I really liked sales. And um, at the time, um, I was there about a year and I, I was learning a lot, but I, I, I kind of had decided at that point that, you know, th what I needed to do was, was build a, a real career in sales and I needed to build a strong network. And at the time, LinkedIn were opening their, their offices in Dublin. I was actually driving. It was like the time of radio ads, you know, that were relevant. And I was driving my car uh, and, you know, LinkedIn were opening this office and there was big excitement. And I, I, I love LinkedIn. I, I just saw the value of it. I was, I was using it to sell already. And so I, I joined LinkedIn as, a, as a, an entry level salesperson. And I, I kind of set out to do a couple of things, Paul, with this like longer term ambition that I want to become a CEO. Right. And so I, I said, right, typically what do CEOs look like? And so they, they typically, if you look at the top Fortune 500 companies, they'll either come from a finance background. That's definitely not going to be me or they come from a sales background. And so I said, right, my objective is to become really good at sales and to use sales as a platform to go wherever wherever I want, right? And, and that's kind of, I think, what, what uh, that, that recommendation is, is, is talking about. It's this opportunity to see sales as a place to start because as you know better than anybody, Paul, we're all selling, right? Um, you know, I used to, I, when, I, when I was running a graduate program for, for LinkedIn, I used to go and speak at universities and talk about, I used to ask the crowd, you know, who in this room has asked their professor for an extension on their project this year? And everybody would put up their hand, right? And I would be like, that's because, you know, you're selling them on the vision of why you should um, get that extension. And so I saw the opportunity to, to move into sales um, and grow through sales. So, so I, um, I did very well in sales. Um, I worked my way up through the, the SER um, function into, into sales, became a, you know, a top selling rep globally, which was, which was great. But I, 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 I knew that I didn't want to stay there forever and that there was other things that I needed to add to my belt, other notches that I needed to add to my belt in order to become the CEO that I, want, that I wanted to become down the road. Um, and so I, I had this opportunity to move into our sales operations department, running the graduate program that I mentioned. Um, and, and that was a phenomenal opportunity to, to learn the importance of talent and kind of get an, an understanding of where I was weaker, right? Which was the operational side, right? If, if we think about um, the insights discovery wheel or Myers-Briggs or something like that, you know, I, I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm quite a yellow visionary i like to talk a lot um and i wasn't so strong at the, the data or the or, or you know some of that some of that elements and so i wanted to go and learn that piece because i knew that that was another piece of the of the jigsaw that wasn't being filled um so went and did that realized and, and, and it was successful but realized at the same time that i missed a number i missed having a number to to, to, to aim for uh, and so i i was like Right. Well, I, I, I love I love working with talent. I love developing talent. I love managing people. Um, but I, I, I want to have a number. I want to have something to aim for. So I went moved back to, to sales leadership. And, 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 and then, you know, that end destination changed from being a CEO to more of like a VP of sales, a CRO, you know, but the, the end destination is still ultimately the same. It's just the title changes ever so slightly. Yeah. So so basically, the, long story short, I know I've just waffled on for a couple of minutes, but long story short, Paul, I think it's important that people think about the long-term destination. And that might be, I want to own a cafe, right? I want to own a film studio, whatever that might be. 
how can you use the moments that you're in right now to develop the skills that will make you the best cafe owner that there ever was? Um, and and, and, and I, I genuinely believe that sales is the, is the best platform or the best place and starting point to do that. And so, yeah, that's, that's typically how I think about it. Great, there's so much there I want to talk to you about. Uh, I, for a point of clarification, though, when you said to me, I'm yellow, when, when I grew up, uh, for those who, who, who are not familiar with the color system, yellow meant you were a coward. <laughs> we used to use that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's yellow. <laughs> well, some, some people might say that about yeah. me too. But... <laughs> and, and for those who've done this, yellow equates to the influencer type personality. So, just in case anyway, what did he mean when he was yellow? Yeah. Um, what is it about the CEO thing that, that, that motivates you, that attracts you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I suppose at the time, because I was young and naive and, and kind of an entrepreneur, like that, that destination of being an entrepreneur was, was, was my aspiration. I suppose I looked at a CEO as being the kind that, as that person, right? That the founder, the owner of the business responsible for everything. Um, I suppose that's kind of just the way I've been wired, Paul, when, when, you know, growing up because I looked at my dad as, as this inspiration, I always looked at an opportunity to, to kind of find my own way to make money. Right. I, I never really had a job. Um, I, I ran soccer camps. I, I had a Christmas tree delivery company. Um, and, 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 I suppose, you know, my vision of being the boss was, was that. And so ultimately this idea of being a CEO was, was what I thought I wanted to be. And as I mentioned, as I kind of moved into the world, the, the proper commercial world, I realized actually CEO is quite a difficult job uh, with, with, with their hands in a, in a lot of different parts of the business. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think I have the capacity to do that. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, you know, I think what's most important about that story that I've just told is, is that I had the opportunity to learn about where I was stronger and weaker mm. and where I wanted to kind of place my bets in the future. And so that kind of destination of being a CEO is, is no longer an aspiration. Maybe, maybe one day, you know, depends on, on, on where I end up, but it's more about delighting customers and generating revenue for, for, for a business and, and helping transform people's lives. That, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I want to do in, with my life. Uh, and yeah. I have that opportunity to do that as a sales leader. So it's not so much about the role, but maybe about a sense of autonomy and being in a position to make your own decisions and be accountable for those, which I is what business gives you. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a very, very good, uh, good way of describing it for sure. Yeah. It, it, you said something else as well about your father's influence on you, and it's something that's come out in a number of podcasts I've done with male sales leaders specifically, where they've mentioned the impact their father has on them. On them. How important do you think it is, that male role model, for people growing up into the adult world where they're going to take on adult responsibilities? whatever they choose, whether it's working in a corporate environment or developing their own business? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, let me try and uh, unpack that a little. So, uh, I mean, yeah, my old man has been a, 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 an incredible influence, as has my mother. I've been very fortunate that both parents have were, you know, were very, you know, at the forefront of my, of my life. Um, I think, you know, 
the the influence that that your dad has on you is uh, is let me try and um, articulate what I'm what oh. articulate this correctly. I think ultimately, you know, you, my my dad my dad was just always my my kind of influence. I I played a lot of sport, Paul, when I was when I was young, and uh, my dad was was excellent at sport and. Um, he he ended up becoming kind of the the coach of my team for a couple of years and um he so 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 naturally i was already kind of inspired by him and he used to talk about you know how successful he was at sport and how sport was able to make him successful in business and so i would hear these stories and uh, i was inspired by that and i also love music and my dad loves music as well so there was many different kind of avenues that my dad would inspire me and um and 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 so I think that the greatest strength that my dad has is his emotional intelligence and, and his ability to adapt to different types of people. Um, and I learned that just by kind of watching him, you know, as my coach and as he interacted with my friends and people to this day, you know, still say to me, you know, Jack, your, your dad had this like incredible impact on, on my life. Um, and you probably don't even realize that he took me aside and he had a chat with me and I was going through a really tough time. And the fact that he was just able to pick up on that, I think is, you know, is, is, is amazing. And I had that, that opportunity to be, to be, to be close to that. And that probably has, is why that emotional intelligence is something that I picked up on. And, and it's something that I've leaned into quite heavily as, as first as a salesperson and then secondly, as a, as a sales leader, uh, in terms of like, how to do business and how to sell to people, people buy from people. I genuinely believe that. But I also think that in order to get the best from people, if you can understand what their true motivation is as a leader um, and, and to really tap into your emotional intelligence side, you can get the best out of people. Not every time, mm. but more mm. often than not. And so to circle back, how important was my dad's um, uh, influence on me? I mean, it was, it was, it, it, I don't think he realizes how, how, how significant his, his impact was on me and, and the fact that he was around to have that. And I, and I was so fortunate to have him around to do that was, was, uh, was incredible. And I am who I am because of him. Yeah, no, I, I think it's important. And I tell you why we, and you mentioned mothers too, is that I don't think there's any question about the impact our mothers have on us. It, but, but fathers can often step in and step out of that yeah. where mothers very rarely do most people their mothers are hugely important part of their lives and and you mentioned ceo and very often it's a sacrifice some fathers make mm. and 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 are not part of their children's lives to the same extent and i think that's a huge shame and and and, and i'm often curious about it myself because with my own father he died when i was 20 and i don't think i ever really got to know him and that he was a he was a carpenter but interestingly, when he was in his mid-30s, he did this conversion course to being a woodwork teacher. So okay. as I grew up, I only ever knew him as that. But he'd often be gone early in the morning because where he worked was quite a distance away. And he used to do night classes because he, his career was late. He had to make up pensions. And so he would do a lot of night classes. And, and I didn't see him a lot, except, of course, summer holidays, which were different with teachers. Then he was there all the time. Of course. But it was interesting because... I might have been maybe 10, 12, there, that or thereabouts. And I remember he went on this Dale Carnegie course, which was highly unusual at the time in Ireland. I'm going mm. back sort of maybe late 70s, early 80s. 
and, and personal development wasn't a thing. I mean, it's only now right. really becoming a thing. But I remember, he, and he used to go every night, every Thursday night, and he'd drive from Kilkenny to Port Leash again. In those days, you know, back roads, no motorways, and in the middle of winter. And I remember him bringing home the Dale Carnegie books, How to Win Friends and Influence and People, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, and uh, Public Speaking. There were the three books, uh, okay. which two of them I still have and treasure um, here somewhere. But um, and I remember reading them. But it was his transformation which had an, a massive impact on me because he was just this ordinary guy, very, you know, very kind of traditional in terms of his value sets, never traveled outside the country, um, but was just all, always there in the background. And, uh, but it was interesting watching his transformation as a person by going through that. And I think that had a huge impact in terms of my choices and but also belief sets and value sets in terms of growth, that change is possible, that it's good if it's put to the right use. And, um, and I think if he hadn't have been there, then maybe I'd have been on a different path. So I do think it's important. And, and I tried to do that for my own kids as well. And I think it's, uh, we don't talk about it enough in yeah. terms of the impact a, a fathers have. Both, on both daughters and sons, I'm, it's not it's not a gender thing. It's just more about them being aware of the, the, the that that impact is far more important than going out and working long hours so you can have a bigger house. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 I suppose that is uh, that that's that's something that actually my wife and I talk about quite a lot. You know, the most important thing in life is is your your happy family right and, and that's ultimately why i do what i do um i think what's what's interesting um about where i work and kind of the the industry that i now work in paul is is that you know fathers are given a a much more kind of front row seat in their children's lives um and it, it, I, i'm incredibly passionate if it came to my career versus my kids, I would choose my kids all day long. I don't think anybody would say any different, but, um, uh, you know, they're, they're the most important thing in my lives, uh, in my life and, and my wife's mm. life and in our lives. Mm. Um, and, and, and what's great about where I work and, and I think the industry that we work in generally speaking is, is that, you know, companies are beginning to recognize that. Um, and so you may have read, you know, I wrote a blog about this recently. Um, at Asana, we get four months paternity leave as a father, which is like pretty unheard of. When 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 I was joining Asana, I had previously worked at LinkedIn where I got six weeks, which was incredible. And actually, I remember having a conversation with a with a, a colleague of mine who I started at LinkedIn um, seven years prior, and he said, "Christ, Jack, like I got three days, you know, um, and and you're getting six weeks." And then I went to Asana and I got four months. And actually, I got so much, Paul, that I had to. I, I, I've only taken a portion of it, and I'm going to take another part of it this summer, which is which is going to be great because I get this opportunity now to to not only spend and bond at the beginning of, of Tom, my my second uh, child's life, but also kind of now that he's growing up and I can be a part of of his kind of further development and allow my wife to go back to work and and we don't have to worry about crashing and all those other things. But I suppose where where you're probably going with this is is that um the the impact that we have by being around is is kind of is 
we probably don't realize the impact that it's having because we're only now beginning to, to have that opportunity to be there. And second to that is now that we live in this kind of unusual world where we're all at home all the time, uh, I, I have this amazing opportunity to like get up with my two kids every morning. I get to bring my daughter Margot to school every day. I, I get to have lunch with my family where I used to like be running from one meeting to another and maybe I would grab a Sambo in, in the cafe in, in, in the office uh, and I get to have dinner and I can help out. And I mean, the, uh, hopefully, hopefully my kids will realize, you know, how, how great that, that, that opportunity has been for them in terms of their development, because I, I can, I, the, the opportunity for me has been, has been enormous and I, I appreciate it every day. Not just, not just, obviously there's a lot of terrible things that are going on in the world right now, but if you look at the silver linings, the silver lining for me is, is that I've been, I've been able to, to really build these phenomenal bonds with my family. And then mm. by virtue of the, of the incredible pat leave uh, that, that I get at Asana, um, I, I get to, to, to really cement that, that bond. And you know, those, those, those first couple of years, Paul, as you know better than anybody, are so formative. Um, and so being around to help influence their, their development is, is, uh, is a huge opportunity. It's not called pat leave because you're Irish, is it? <laughs> or Mick leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm curious that I, I think, obviously, for a long, long time, uh, it's been an expectation and, and in some cases, my wife was one of them, where it was the desire. She wanted to stay at home and be the primary care for her kids. Um, again, that was entirely her choice. And, and she was in a job where it was a choice for her. How and ever, I think the fact that more men now are taking on that is a, an entirely good thing. I absolutely love the times I have with my kids. You know, there's... What I love nothing more, and I get to see it nowadays where I wouldn't have ever seen it before, is where I've got a class and it's a Zoom call and there's 20 thumbnails on this monitor in front of me. And I'll see a guy there attending the class, bouncing a little kid on his lap. And, I'm, and he's apologizing for the fact that yeah. he's got a kid there. And I'm thinking, stop apologizing. This is fantastic. It, it's, it's, it's brilliant to see it, absolutely brilliant. And so it becomes normalized through that. Yeah. And therefore, the more we see it, the more it just becomes normal. So the first time I saw it, I, 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 I noticed it. Now it's just background noise. It's noise yeah. is the wrong word. It's just background. And, and, and it doesn't matter. I, I, I now don't notice the difference whether it's a, a male or female with a child on their lap. It's just a parent, that's it. And, and I think we've got to get to that sooner rather than later. But I do want to talk to you and you, you wouldn't be, I guess, human, or I think we're on the cusp of this, so maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong, is that when you're offered four months and in Scandinavia, it's even longer, right? Mm. Um, or some Scandinavian countries at least, is was there any sense of trepidation in your mind not about the spending more time with your family i can't imagine that but in terms of what does it mean in terms of work what am i going to miss out on because that's always been i could say excuse but it's a genuine fear yeah i think career-minded men in particular had and it's always been a gripe for women to say 
look, this expectation is on our shoulders. That's not fair either. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to understand that from your perspective. What were some of those things that went through your head, even momentarily, that went, ooh, I don't know about this? Yeah, that's, it's a great question, Paul. Let, let, me, take, let me answer this in, in a couple of different ways, right? So, so the first is... Um, uh, the, the initial kind of feeling or doom, if you if you like, of 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 stepping away, right? So so in in both instances at LinkedIn and Asana, then afterwards, I stepped away for for six weeks, and the first time I was doing it, I actually remember having a conversation with somebody about, are you worried about what people will think of you? You know, going away for that amount of time, and and I I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I, you know, like I, I having a very frank conversation, being like, yeah, no, I am, and so, so there's this, and I, to be perfectly honest, while I don't really, you talked about Dale Carnegie, like stop worrying, and um, I don't really worry about what, what people think. But this is the first time in my life where I've been given this opportunity, which is very exciting on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, concerning if you like, in terms of like how does the ship keep sailing? You know, will everything be okay? And so, I suppose first and foremost, um, I definitely felt that that feeling of doom, and that was the kind of the the, the initial feeling before you do it, right? There's another feeling that you feel afterwards, which is when you come back, which is, and, and I, I imagine this is how, you know, women feel after they go back after six months, which is, it's like, God, did anybody miss me, right? Like, am I actually adding any value here because you come back and everything is, is the ship is sailing. Um, and, and I think, I think what's important is in terms of making sure that you you create that comfort within yourself, but also in your in your company, and that's why you know companies like LinkedIn and, and Asana. Then secondly, have created this amazing culture. Is is that you 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 first and foremost as a leader, you you have comfort in the team that you've hired, right? And so if you've hired really really well, you know that the team will 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 continue to to execute and actually probably try and execute even at a higher level by virtue of the fact that you're not there. Um, so, you know, I, I think you, you have that feeling, you come back and you see that that has been proven. And so you have further confidence that you can then step away and do it again a second time, which is what I will do this year. I'll take part two is, is what I'm calling my, my, my second part of my pat leave. Um, but also it's about the environment that, you know, the, the company creates. And uh, interestingly, at the time I was taking my paternity leave, I, we had just gotten a new general manager for EMEA who came in. He was literally just in the door four weeks and people were saying to me, oh, you know, maybe you should only take a couple of weeks. Like, it's probably not the best idea. You won't get that opportunity to build a relationship. First thing he said to me was, was like, Jack, take as long as you want. Like, go and do whatever you have to do. This is the most important. Like, and, and he said, you know, this place, this place is it doesn't really matter. The most important thing is 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 that your your family you, you prioritize your family, and if you need to take six weeks or twelve weeks, that's entirely up to you. And I fully trust that you are taking that time. And so, that doesn't just happen because he's a great guy. That happens because Asana thinks about hiring these types of people and this culture, um, you know, very very seriously. And so. I'll be very grateful to, to Simon and to, to, to my boss uh, and, and, and to Asana for, for, for kind of creating that environment and giving me that comfort level to be able to move out for, for six weeks. Um, and interestingly, Paul, what it allowed him to do was build, uh, build a relationship with my, with my team. 
that he probably wouldn't have had that opportunity to do. And so he got a really good exposure to my managers and therefore their teams. And um, I think it was it was overall a really great thing. Um, but I suppose to, to close out, yeah, I had this conversation with, with another guy who just come back from his part two of Pat Leave and he's gone through this similar feeling again where he was like, God, like, you know, have I, am I adding value? Have I, well, like, do people miss me? But they do, right? And, and so... Um, I suppose if I can give anybody the advice, if, if you're concerned about taking that time, take it. You, you, I mean, you'll never get that opportunity back. And, yeah. and you know. Yeah. I wonder, is there something else though as well? I think if we look at the, the, the pressures that society have put on both men and women in a traditional sense, society is always in terms of, how, again, expectation and pressure was always on women to look good. Right. And if anybody argues with me on that, just look at the fashion and the makeup industry and the amount of money that's spent on that, the amount of influencers that exist in that space. It's crazy. That's, that's the evidence, right? It exists, yeah. whether we like it or not. I think there's a corollary of that uh, for men, which is the expectation to be provider. Yeah. And, and our identity is tied up in that. And we have no alternative role to that. Um, and therefore, a lot of people again, tie up their own self-worth and their own value in how well I am perceived to be doing as a provider. And that ties in then to getting on the, the corporate ladder and climbing that because that, that's their, I guess, their way of being a better version of what society expects them to be. Totally. And, 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 I, and I don't know that we'll ever crack that nut of people being 100% comfortable taking full paternity leave and getting to the Scandinavian world. Because even in Scandinavia, they've had to make it mandatory by law for men to take that time off because even though they were given it, they weren't doing it. And people were kind of going, well, it's, 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 it, they're being unfair and it's not. It's, it's a societal expectation of what it means to be a man. And until that changes in terms of how society values that role, I don't think people will feel that comfortable about it and it, you know, organizations will struggle as much as, and, and it was interesting, your boss, and it's, you know, to me, that's the mark of a great leader as well, is somebody, even though they may have their own, you know, somebody taking time off is, is going to cause them problems because now they have to find somebody else who's going to backfill that and somebody else with experience, but they're able to put their own needs aside mm -hmm. and they're able to come to you and say, Take as much time as you want. I had that myself with my, one of my kids was born very early, 24 weeks, one pound, 10 oh, ounces. Wow. Premature. Yeah. So was it, you know, and I was work, working in Motorola at the time. This was back in late nineties. And my boss said to me, Paul, he says, take as much time as you want. Amazing. And, and, and two things. One is what a relief, first mm -hmm. of all. Secondly, that builds massive loyalty. Massive loyalty Huge because it's loyalty. at the time you need that most, they're there for you. And, yeah. and, and I think people miss that out. They just see it as a more of a transaction rather than a, 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 a way of building deep loyalty. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and loyalty is, is, is more important now than ever, Paul, when, you know, we, we work in a, we work in a, in an industry that is so, for want of a better word, uh, I suppose, uh, 
there's so there's so there's so much opportunity and so so many different places that are kind of vying for your attention it's easy to go to the next thing because they're giving you a bit more money or they're saying their culture is even better than the other place before and so these moments you're you're absolutely dead right these are what build culture these are what make you uh retain top talent and and and, you know and, and i will I will be forever grateful to Asana and to Simon and, and to, to, to my, you know, to my team for, for, for enabling me to do that. But to your point around the societal norms, absolutely. I mean, no matter whether, whether it's the man or a female, you know, we are, we do have these expectations of us. Uh, and I actually remember when I was having my first child, um, I remember going through this kind of in, I suppose most 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 of us probably have done, but I talk to my pals about this quite a lot. Where I went through this moment of kind of you know oh you know all of a sudden now I'm like I'm going to be a dad, and you know about a year ago, kind of the only person that really mattered was me, right? <laughs> and and now all of a sudden I'm like stack ranked, I'm third in in the stack ranking. It's it's my child, my wife, and now me, and so you know society tells you that you know you need to be this provider and 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 i went into this kind of mindset that like i need to be a provider and i can't make any mistakes now anymore and i need to bring home you know the paycheck every month and uh and i need to help us you know be able to provide for our kids for the future and go to university and all that sort of stuff the the onus in order to change those societal norms paul in my opinion is people like us right it's people like us working in these environments telling people that it is okay and actually the science backs it up paul the the time away the time spent means that you come back refreshed um and i don't have the data in front of me right now but you know it's very clear that you know giving people that opportunity to recharge is, is is so important not just from a loyalty standpoint but it also reduces burnout which we know is a huge problem nowadays right like people are overworking they're working later hours than they ever have they're working harder than they ever have and so giving people and telling people that it's okay and that to try and ch- challenge the the norms that we become used to um it, it's up to us and and it's yeah. up to to our leading industries to go and do that yeah i think i think as, as you're talking about that something popped into my mind which was I think men need to do two things. One is to change the t- change the meaning of provider from being a provider of m- income into the household, because that was their traditional view, to being a provider of time, love, and affection. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with and, you. And, and then to find partners who value that. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all that kids need. And that's all that they want. Nobody ever, you know... No, no, ever, no kid ever, no, no normally adjusted kid, I should say, ever said, I wish my parents gave me the latest PlayStation or Xbox. It was, I wish they were at home. My dad was at home to spend, you know, kick a football with me or had, I had more time with my parents together around the kitchen table at night rather than, you know, it's just so many scenarios in which it is just that. It's that time to, to, to love and support each other and the kids and if you do that i think we'll crack this for sure yeah yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more tell me about your transition from sales to sales leadership that's always an interesting one for me it's not something i was ever comfortable with in in my own career and i'm curious to know what were some of the bumps along the road for you in terms of areas that you, you 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 
you thought you thought you'd be fine and then you realized oh this is a very different role and you needed to develop new skills yeah yeah it's a it's a great question um i suppose the i, I was fortunate enough to to move into leadership um in this kind of like stepping stone manner and and so what i mean by that is is i had the opportunity to go and, and build a, a program a graduate program for linkedin so I, that was the first kind of exposure that i had to managing people um so so i didn't carry a number uh, at that time paul but i obviously had other responsibilities um but i think for me the, the you know the biggest shift um was going from being an individual contributor to now having to kind of think about very different people and 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 uh, different skills different requirements different needs um, and and similarly like how do you how do you hire for that right um one of the one of the greatest uh, kind of learnings that i got uh, from from moving into that world was the importance of building diverse teams and um and, and you know it's it's not it's not a good idea to hire five jacks right like you know because that's not going to help your your team or your business win and so i got this really kind of very quick exposure to to understanding that you know i want to hire uh, the team needs this type of person and, and it was more about the additions to a team as opposed to the fit of the team if you, if you know what i mean um so so i i really had to uh, i really had to lean into the, this piece that i talked about earlier on which is like the emotional intelligence and and understanding how to how to first and foremost hire these types of people and understand what is important to them and then importantly hiring is 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 20% of the job it's how do you get the best out of that person once they come in so uh, i had this opportunity then to to go and build that so moving into sales leadership i had kind of already learned a lot of that and then it was about applying my sales knowledge on top um of of hiring great people or trying to transform great people's careers um and 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 then applying those those, those skills the the other biggest learning for me paul at that point was uh, and i had a great sales director um paul terry who, who used to talk about you know sales people are sales people are, are are calculators or dancers and i would say i was probably more of a dancer type of salesperson i would engage with people and i would build a relationship and as we both probably know sales is becoming more and more of a science and so i really had to lean into the science part of of sales um, and that was not hugely comfortable to me at the time i you know i, I probably was a little biased in my thinking that like great sales people are designed this way and and so i had to ha, had an opportunity to, to to lean in and, and kind of understand the importance of being scientific about your approach um and 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 uh and, and as a result i became a kind of a more all-rounded sales leader but yeah i mean you know it was it was definitely a challenge um the other piece the other piece that you you learn very quickly is the importance of managing managing up and, and across right and mm. so you know you you probably don't have to interact you know with senior leadership or with your cross functional stakeholders anywhere near as much as you do as a sales leader and great sales leaders are doing that all the time right they're consistently communicating probably over communicating with their senior people and and then across the business to 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 promote both themselves and and their team and so that was probably you know the, the third big lesson that i that i had to kind of uh lean into and, and develop over time um so yeah it was it was definitely it was definitely a, a definitely a change um but something that i i wanted you know i think first and foremost you have to want it because it's it, it's a very different job 
sales leadership is a very different job to being a salesperson where you're carrying a book, you're worrying about yourself, you're basically just solving customers' problems. Now, all of a sudden, you're solving your team's problems, you're solving your boss's problems, you're solving your, you know, your cross-functional uh, stakeholders' problems, um, all, all at the same time, whilst trying to solve your customers' problems, too. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're motivated by wanting to do that, yeah. then, then it's the best place to be. You mentioned something about uh, hiring for potential in that blog you wrote. Uh, which which was interesting. You said you were hired for potential. It wasn't necessarily, there were certain experiences that you didn't have, but they saw that you had the right mindset to grow into that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that often uh, interests me because people, when they're hiring, can often look for, have they done the job before? And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. How important is prior experience in a particular role versus potential to grow into that? Yeah, it's, it's again, you know, it's a really interesting question because I think it depends. I think it depends on the, on the stage that the company is at, Paul. Um, so, so if I think about when I joined Asana at the time, so, so there was probably two motivations. There was my motivation and there was the company's motivation. My motivation at the time was, and um, I had talked to, to, to my boss about this, you know, uh, he was very clear that, you know, what I wanted to do was go and be my own boss one day and whether that is a CRO or whatever. But the story I, wanted to, I want to be able to tell is, is that, you know, I, I, can, I can help start and scale sales teams. And I had done that at, at LinkedIn and I had proven that to myself. And so I wanted to go and prove that again somewhere else just to prove that it wasn't a fluke and also make myself a little bit more attractive in the market. Um, but, uh, and then help other companies go and achieve that. Um, so, so, so that was my aspiration, right? And that was my motivation. The, the motivation for Asana at the time was to, was, was, you know, to cons- go and build out, a, build out an EMEA sales team. And so I suppose that the timing was right there in terms of they hired me for the potential. I was able to sell my motivation and somewhat of my experience. I had, I had managed teams when I hadn't managed multiple teams and I hadn't managed managers. And so that was, that was where they were hiring for potential and not the experience. As I think about how that applies now, you know, when I was first hiring AEs into Asana, we were, we were more often than not hiring for the potential because it is a very entrepreneurial type of, it was a very entrepreneurial type of company at that time. Um, and so, you know, whether that person had been a successful enterprise AE at, you know, XYZ company didn't really matter because it's a very different job now to, to the job that they're doing today here, right? Where they have to like probably set, become an SDR again and be, be happy to do that, but to be, to be passionate about wanting to build something. Um, so I think, Nowadays, or uh, the potential still runs through, Paul. But I think as the as the company matures, um, the requirement to have some of that experience is probably a little bit more necessary as you become more yeah. focused on developing a region, you know, role specific, if you like. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because the the, the guy who hired me into Motorola, um, he, he I wasn't his first choice. I know that he he had offered the job to two other people before he got around to me. Um, Everything happens for a reason, Paul. Well, it's interesting because I was working in England at the time and the role was to be based in Ireland. And he was based in, in near London. 
in, in, in the Motorola office there. And they'd offered it to people from England, English people, the first two times. And they would have, part of the job was to relocate. And of course, they, they had probably more relevant experience than I had. But when a push came to shove, there was barriers to relocating. Their partners didn't want to relocate in, in both cases. But I, I actually wanted to move back to Ireland. My wife is Irish. We just had a, a, a child only a few weeks old. And so this was a wonderful opportunity. And, and, and so he, he kind of, he, he wasn't hiring for, he, I think he was left with no choice. Mm. <laughs> I think there was other considerations and you're right. So when you talk about, depends on the, on, on the growth stage of the company. And then there's these other factors as well, which was, which were unique to this particular situation. However, I, I remember, uh, and again, Alistair was a fantastic boss. He really was. And he taught me all about accountability. He had this system where he would ask you, okay, Paul, when's that going to be delivered? Very bottom line. And you give him a date just to get him off your back. And, he, and you could hear this pen in the background. He'd be writing it down, very old school, right? And, and he had this thing called a tickle file. And it was an old, one of those concertina files that would, would uh, uh, by okay, month, yeah. it's broken down by day. And if you said, I, I, I'll have it on the 28th for you, that your, his little uh, piece of paper would go into the 28th of wow. that month. And that morning, his PA would come to him with a big stack of all these tickles for the day. And he'd go through them all and he'd go, okay, yep, yeah, that's here, that's here. And of course, if, if you hadn't delivered it, he was on the phone to you straight away. And, uh, and, and so I just saw that kind of, and it was old school. There was no technology involved in it, but accountability doesn't require that. And I just thought it was wonderful the way he did that. He, he left you alone. He would say, whatever date yeah. it's going to be, he would never ask you, how's it going or anything else. If you needed his support, he would always be there. But if you said you would deliver by a certain day, that was it. And it was black and white and there was no excuses tolerated. You know, I could say, yeah, but Paul, you said you'd have it. <laughs> and I just, I love that black and white accountability. And, and, and it's, 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 it's a real sales leadership skill. I'm not good at it myself, uh, even though I experienced it. But here's the other thing, sorry, this is the reason where I wanted to go with this question, was I remember one day he came over to Dublin to see me and he had this little round badge on his, on his jacket and it had mom written on it, M-O-M. <laughs> I said, Alistair, is there something you want to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> and what had happened was he had been on this Motorola training course, which is manager of managers. Mm. And I often wondered, and I wanted to get your take on it, is managing other managers different than managing salespeople? I used to, I used to think... I used to think that, you know, that that would be a huge leap in terms of kind of my leadership capability and uh, something that I was probably not concerned about, but, but you know, con conscious, very, very conscious mm. about. I think that the same, the same rules apply to leadership, Paul. Um, and that is, you know, for me, I, I, I am, I am genuinely I define success very straightforward in sales and it applies, you know, across the board, regardless of who I'm working with. And then, and as I said, I think I said it already, but, uh, you know, it's about delighting our customers. And by doing that, we can deliver revenue for the business. And then the second piece and probably the most important piece is, is that we are 
constantly looking at ways to transform our talent. And if we can do that, if we can keep them engaged, we've talked a lot about this, you know, we'll create loyalty um, then, uh, and helping them think about their long-term career and how, you know, what they're doing right now is a big part of that. Um, then, then we can get the best out of those people. And, and the same rules apply, Paul, from, from managing a salesperson to a sales leader. It's just that the, you know, where they are in that journey is, is slightly different. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with great people. Um, two, two of my managers are, are experienced managers. Uh, one person was a promotion from, from an AE. And then I've just hired a very, very experienced uh, sales leader. Um, and so the requirements are different, but ultimately what you're trying to achieve is, is, is the same thing. So I know that probably sounds like a pretty simple answer, but, but I, I, I don't think anything really changes. It's mm. just that you have different priorities, um, but ultimately you're, you're working mm. towards this longer term objective. Mm. So what I'm hearing is really that you're managing humans and humans have all the same basic needs and you're managing to... Uh, you're, you're, you're protecting their, their self-esteem, their self-worth, their value as humans. You're also then helping them discover how they can grow within their own particular roles, but as humans, as individuals as well. And it doesn't matter what their role is, that it's the human need to contribute, to be significant, that matters most. Exactly. And if I'm doing my job right as a hiring manager, Paul, they're the types of people that I'm bringing into the business and, and they understand what they're getting from, from us as well as from me and, and vice versa. And, and so, yeah, you're right. We're, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day and we're, we're, uh, we're pretty simple people, um, you know, more often than not. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, Jack, we are almost up on time here. We've only got three minutes left. I wanted to ask you before I let you go, um, if you were writing your own epitaph, what, 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 would, what, what would it say about you? Um, I suppose this is this is probably easy to answer given given what we've just talked about over the last uh, over the last hour. Uh, a loving father who uh, who is determined to to help um, uh, transform people's the people around him uh, and to give them a better life than they could have imagined. Something like that. That seems like a really great place to leave this, Jack. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been a joy, absolute joy listening to you. Um, if you have enjoyed listening to Jack as much as I have enjoyed it, please consider leaving the podcast a review. would really help us out and would appreciate it. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Jack. Jack thank you so much for being my guest today, Jack Hanratty. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure.